0: All right, Welcome to Fire and Security Chat, brought to you by Corson Fire and Security, where we talk about the technology and equipment used to protect and secure life and property. I'm your host, Aaron Whitaker, and today I'm with David Wright, Fire Alarm Corporate Trainer at Corson Fire and Security. On today's episode, I'll be talking to David about fire alarm inspections and testing. David, welcome to the podcast.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Aaron.
0: All right, so today we're going to be talking about fire alarms, uh, particularly inspections, And testing. The first question is how often uh, does a fire alarm need to be inspected or tested?
1: Well fire alarms are tested initially at uh, the acceptance so when they get installed and then every year after that they need to be function tested and then every other year uh, they will be sensitivity tested where we actually go through and manufacturers will set a, a rating for them and we have to make sure that these detectors go off within that rating. But then, if it's just a regular function test, we're just doing that every year.
0: Okay. What is a function test?
1: We blow smoke into the chamber or activate the pull stations. We we put the fire alarm and all its initiating devices and the notifications, like your horn strobes and everything. Mm-hmm. We put those through their paces, to make sure everything works.
0: Is operable. Okay. And what was it? Annunciation devices. Or uh, notification. Notification. Mm-hmm. What type of notification devices are there in a fire alarm system typically?
1: There's horn strobes, which are your most common. Um, there's also chime strobes. We run into speaker strobes. Uh, they also have a mass notification systems, which are a whole different beast in the, of themselves.
0: Okay. And as far as uh, is it detectors or what are we?
1: The smoke detectors, there's yeah. also heat detectors. Those are all initiating devices. Initiating devices. Yes. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> besides the smoke and the heat, is there any others that are normally in a fire alarm system that you would have to test for?
1: There's duct detectors that actually shut down the air handler units or you know your mm-hmm. HVAC systems. Uh, then on occasion you'll run into beam detectors. Okay. Everything else, I mean, those are the main standards. There's a whole lot of specialty items in there as well.
0: And for the duct detectors, how are they tested?
1: The exact same way as a smoke detector. So blow smoke. Exactly. Yeah, they have a housing that attaches them to Mm -hmm. the unit itself, or some variation. Then it's just a standard smoke detector in there that has tubes that go through the ductwork that sample the the air going through those tubes.
0: Okay. Now, um, I've seen it done, but uh, this is probably a common question. How is a smoke detector tested? Uh, What do you use or what equipment is used?
1: If we're just doing a standard function test, there's a couple of different things that we use. Uh, There's a manufacturer called Solo, and they make what's called a a no-climb. It's a telescoping pole with a bowl on the end of it. Mm -hmm. And on that bowl, there's a uh, can of aerosol smoke. And you push that bowl up to the detector, it puffs a little bit of smoke, and then it will be enough to activate the alarm. There's also uh handheld that have almost an infuser on the end of these cans, and they kind of mix the air with the smoke. Mm-hmm. Those will be ones that you can reach, you know, in a standard ceiling, like eight-foot ceiling type of thing. Anything higher than that, then you're going to use that solo, no climb.
0: Okay. And when you test the smoke detector, how do you – is there two pe- – or how many people, I guess, are involved in the testing of fire? Generally, there's two. There's okay. there's,
1: a, there's a guy at the panel – who is monitoring all the activity there at the panel? Mm-hmm. And then there's also a guy out in the field that's physically blowing the smoke and activating those devices. Okay. On some smaller, really small areas like small kinder cares or like uh, really small churches, mm-hmm. you could do those as a one man operation because the detectors will light up and then you can use that to find out when that alarm activates at that panel. Mm-hmm. And if it's small enough, you can even hear that panel.
0: Okay. Is there, when, they blow smoke into the fire alarm or fire smoke detector mm-hmm.
1: Sorry,
0: is is are you just looking for it to activate or are you looking for a response time zero? no
1: I'm I'm looking for it to activate okay uh, depends on the type of panel you have mm-hmm. there's there's conventional which are basically just some lights on a board that correspond with the detectors themselves mm-hmm. they're a, a mechanical device, more or less. They're just looking for that short. So the response time is instantaneous. When you get into the larger addressable systems, there is a little bit of a lag time, but it's within three or four seconds that we're looking for for that detector to activate and then the alarm panel to go off.
0: Okay. When the system's being tested, normally the system notifies the fire department.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, is it
0: turned off? or in what... What, uh, what, what's, what precautions or what steps are taken before you, I guess, go out and test the... Pilot?
1: Generally what we do, before we really even touch anything, is we'll call the monitoring agency. Okay. And that can be any different. I mean, there's a hundred different monitoring agencies, but the idea is the exact same for all of them. We tell them that we're testing. They'll still receive all the signals. They'll uh, log them all, so mm-hmm. they'll be able to pull a history, but they don't respond to those with, uh, person- with emergency personnel. So okay. they more or less ignore all the signals we send,
0: okay, so okay, so when the fire alarm signal goes, it goes to a monitoring mm-hmm. service or
1: ninety nine percent of the time, yes, okay,
0: and then they i mean this is a side question, but sure they do they always respond immediate- i mean, how is the response uh when they get a signal that if say, a smoke detector
1: went off if it's well, they have ninety seconds to reply in any way. So if it's a, an alarm that activates, they have 90 seconds to notify emergency personnel, uh, trouble signal, that kind of thing. They have 90 seconds to notify the, the building owner or representative. So they're, they're actually set on a time limit themselves. Okay. And the
0: monitoring company has 90 seconds to... Exactly. Make a, to react. Okay. Yes. React. Okay. So I'm guessing the building owners, they also have, can they, I mean, what if it's a false alarm? Do they...
1: It depends on how they get it set up. Usually what happens is if, let's say, for example, in this building right now, you Mm -hmm. and I were doing something, we had a false alarm, we activated something. We can then call in our monitoring agency and we can tell them, hey, it was a false alarm. But because monitoring still gets that alarm, they still need to dispatch the emergency personnel. 90% Okay. 90% of the time, if they get that call out to the emergency personnel, they'll just send a single truck. Usually it's a, a chief or a captain or, or some higher up of the fire department, okay. and they just come and confirm that it was, in fact, a false alarm.
0: Okay. Didn't know that. Okay. Uh, what if happens if a pole station or smoke detector or any of the other devices fails? Uh, what is the steps
1: taken? During the inspection? Yeah, during the inspection. Well, we mark it on the paperwork, of course. Uh, before we leave, we're going to tell that customer, hey, we've got this device, whatever it may be, that didn't function properly. So if they authorize us to do so and we're able to do so, we can replace it right there on the spot. Now, when, if and when we do replace it, we still have to test that device as well to make sure that the new one still works. A lot of the times, though, you'll have multiple devices so let's say 10 devices in a building fail Mm -hmm. our inspectors don't normally have that much stock on their truck so they'll get the information from the customer say hey do you want this quoted a lot of times they'll say yes other times they'll just say no and have someone come out you know as quick as possible and get those replaced but building owners representatives whoever it may be they're always going to be notified of that prior to us leaving
0: okay is there any local regulations or codes uh, that dictate how quickly a uh, faulty device needs to be replaced? or
1: No, the, the only thing that they really say is that we have to notify the owner or building representative mm-hmm. with it in writing within 24 hours. Okay. So because it's not our responsibility to maintain that system, it's the building They're owners. F- yeah, exactly. So we're, we've been contracted to do that inspection or that service work or whatever it may be, and then we're obligated to notify them to make that decision.
0: Okay. So it's up to the building owner to determine if
1: they need to do a fire watch. Yes, exactly. Yep. Or
0: make any other extra steps. Okay. Also, uh, the horns, are Mm -hmm. the horns tested? And I think you already said
1: yes. Most of the time, yes. There are certain circumstances where we might need to reschedule Mm -hmm. where, you know, a building's too large or the occupants, they might be having a special event there. So... We'll go through and function test all the initiating, so all the smoke detectors, the pull stations, everything else, but then we'll postpone that horn strobe test uh, for a later date or you know later on this afternoon. We've even done them bright and early in the morning, like 3, 4 o'clock in the morning before people come into the building.
0: Okay. Doing it off
1: hours? Or yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, for a hospital, mm-hmm. uh, how are the horns tested? Is with patients and everything in there?
1: It depends on, you know, their, their contract type of thing, however yeah. they have it set up. But most of your hospitals have chime strobes, and they're almost pleasant compared to a standard horn strobe. They almost make like a like a doorbell type ding. And then with those, we'll, most of the, the folks in that hospital are notified. Of course, patients aren't, but nurses and, you know, executive staff and everybody else. So they know that a test is coming. Most of the hospitals here in the city, we, we take sections at a time just because they're so large. Mm-hmm. So we'll let, you know, East Wing know that we're going to test their notification. So they ignore all of that. Everyone else in the hospital really doesn't hear much of anything. So okay. it just kind of depends, honestly.
0: Okay. When you just said, like, the East Wing, sure. the rest of them don't hear it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: In a normal situation, though, if a fire alarm went off in the East Wing,
1: do the... The entire building. The yeah. entire building would. Okay. Yeah, the only exception of that is with a high-rise building. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, they have a, a principal floor above, floor below. So you have the floor of the event. They get the actual fire alarm. They're told to evacuate. Then mm-hmm. the floor above and floor below are notified there's an emergency. And then they're to either A, get into a staging area, or B, remain in place until further instruction.
0: Okay. What about, like, a hotel, I guess? Hotels... Um, how are they...
1: Uh, hotels are done pretty much the exact same way. We'll run the, the testing of all the initiating and notification. Now, if, depending on the time of day, you know a lot of people are checking in. We usually try to get the notification in after checkout time mm-hmm. so that majority of the people aren't there. But again, they're, they're notified. The, the one exception, well, I shouldn't say exception, the hotels and other places where people are sleeping, they have more stringent rules about them, whereas there has to be um a special notification device in that sleeping room Mm -hmm. and then it has to be of a certain uh sound level and a certain hurt or uh, a certain frequency the the frequency for sleeping areas sounds more like your alarm clock and it's it's kind of interesting it's it's a relatively new well it's three two years old now Yeah, I think about two years old. I could be wrong on my timeline. But they've just recently started mandating those low-frequency sounders in the sleeping areas. So with hotels, apartment buildings, that kind of thing, they're going to have different sounders in, in the rooms. Okay, so it's not so blaring? And- Apparently, the, the 520 hertz, which is uh, what the low-frequency sounders are, sound, like I mentioned, sound more like your alarm clock. Uh-huh. And people respond to them better when they're asleep. So something with that tone, maybe we're just all ingrained into waking up or alarm clock sound, and yeah. and, and that frequency works.
0: Um, as far as these, you spoke of the sound levels. Mm-hmm. Do you have to test the sound levels?
1: Yes. Yeah, we have to take an ambient reading, and then we, we base NFPA 72, which is the code book that drives all life, well, I'm sorry, all, it's the National Fire Alarm and Signaling alarm. Code yeah. that drives all fire alarm they set up 15 dba above ambient or if it's above 85 db it's 5 above that level because when we get into like 105 db it starts to affect your hearing okay so we can't exceed that that's our that's our magic high number
0: so it only has to be 5 DB above
1: fifteen above ambient fifteen above ambient uh, up until eighty five DB. So if you have a manufacturing place where you know ambient is at ninety, mm-hmm. you know we're not going to be able to get that that fifteen above because we're going to hit that one hundred five. So right. they'll let us set our horns at at ninety five DB, and then we're still within our code requirement, and everyone can still hear it.
0: Okay. So you can because sometimes the I've been in some buildings, it's really almost piercing your ears mm-hmm. and almost hurts yep so you could is it, do you adjust it per on the horn itself or is it in the system or? it's
1: on the horn itself general okay. most manufacturers they have about three to four settings and it's uh-huh. usually like a, a low mid-high okay. you know that kind of thing so if it is loud and certain manufacturers are known to be ear-shatteringly loud, so if we were to install those, most of the time we'll set those down to a mid or a low level just because we know in an office building you're only going to sit about 45 or 50 dB during ambient, so we don't need to be, you know, at the 70 or 80 dB level to -hmm. stay within code.
0: How long does it take to normally uh, do a complete, to test all the devices and everything Uh, in a, I mean, I guess I would, in a typical office building, I guess?
1: Well, I mean, I was going to say it depends on the size of the yep. building, really. But, I mean, let's say a two-, three-story office building, mm-hmm. you know, we can usually get that done in, in less than half a day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we get into the, some of the larger buildings, of course, it, it'll take a little bit of time. Hospitals in particular, we usually block out about a week to two weeks to get all those done. Um, school systems, we can usually knock those out within a week, you know. So it all just kind of depends on the size. Okay.
0: How do you know that you've tested every device in the
1: building well that's a tricky question uh if we've installed it then as i mentioned we have the initial acceptance testing Mm -hmm. so that person who installed that system has physically touched everything so he knows where all of them are so he has a list that he goes down when he does his testing So if we're doing the inspection after that person, then we have a physical list. If it's a building we've never been in before, we physically have to walk through every single area, lift up ceiling tiles, and pretty much look at every square inch of the building to find out. Most of the time our salesmen do a, a an excellent job at finding all of the devices, but on occasion there's one or two duct detectors in particular. You know, mm-hmm. they're because they're above the ceiling, they're up on the on the roof, you know, we might overlook one or two, but we end up finding them, you yeah. know, when we do our initial run through.
0: Does the fire panel itself have give you the kind of the inventory of all the devices?
1: Certainly panels will okay. uh, like I'd mentioned earlier with the conventionals and the intelli- or the addressables uh-huh. the addressables you're able to pull up the the address list is what it's called with a conventional you have no idea because it's just a length of a wire going out there hitting however many number of smoke detectors are in that building okay. so so you just have to kind of do a lot of snooping and hunt and peck yeah now that's that's it
0: huh. with the fire alarm panels do they also, it, sometimes do they incorporate other like security or other? Uh, you talked about emergency communication systems.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, we we monitor a lot of things with our fire alarm system. Like you mentioned, we have um, you know a, a security panel. A lot of the times, what will happen is the security panel will be our dialer. So I'm actually tied to it. So there's no communication going back from the security panel to the fire alarm in Mm -hmm. most cases, but we do have security points that can be tied into a fire alarm. But then we'll also monitor, you know, clean agent systems, hood systems. There's access control overrides. There's, you know, fan shutdown, stairwell pressurization. We can monitor and control a whole lot of things on our fire alarm.
0: Okay. Um, I think we're kind of finishing up here, but I wanted to talk about, uh, the training center here. Sure. And you are the fire alarm systems trainer. Yes, sir. In the on hands or hands on area with the fire alarm panels, how many in a ballpark fire alarm panels are there? There is everyone kind of pretty much represented.
1: Yes and no. We've got at least one from the major manufacturers. There are there are some other ones that we've got two or three different models because every manufacturer will make multiple uh, panels. Okay. So there there will be you know a conventional with an addressable, and then depending on how many points that you have or how many devices you want to put on the addressable, there may be two or three that will go up in number or a capability. But we've got most everything in here, including the proprietary ones like your SimpLex and and EST panels so that our our technicians and the folks that come through our training center get a a good feel for for what's out there uh we've I'm trying to think what my actual number is I think we've got 32 panels in there currently wow. so there's there's a a vast array and then as they come out with newer ones of course I'm always out there trying to get one mm-hmm. you know discounted rate or whatever if i can yeah. and uh get that on my wall so that the new guys that are coming through here actually get to experience that before going out in the field
0: so the fire alarm uh technicians who do the inspections out there in mm-hmm. the field when they come to course and start out they're usually they're trained here first and they kind of get a good feeling and understanding of the yeah of pretty much every panel that's or the majority that's of them that's
1: and, the goal um uh, yeah. You know, in a perfect world, we have them within the first maybe two months or so since Mm -hmm. their hire date. You know, before that time, they've been out with an experienced technician and they've kind of learned the ropes, but maybe they don't understand why they're doing it this way. Mm -hmm. So when they come to the the training center, that's kind of what I focus on is why we do this, because the why can be spread across any manufacturer. You know, why we function test every year and why we use this technique to test, you know, X, Y, Z products. So that way they know and it's not blindsiding them. It, It becomes a, I do this because Aaron said so. No, I do this because NFPA 72 says this, you know, specifically. So in a perfect world, I'd love to see the guys come through and, you know, within the first, say, three months, run through the training courses so that they have an idea of pretty much everything and they really kind of start them on the right course in their career.
0: What does the courses entail? I mean, I I know we've talked about inspections. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you deal with uh, repairs or...
1: Yeah, in fire alarm, which is my, my discipline, mm-hmm. uh, currently what we have now is just a fundamentals class and a service and troubleshootings class. Okay. The fundamentals, as I said, kind of gives them the why, the experience with 72, shows them the proper techniques for inspection and testing, shows them the requirements for the paperwork to be done, and then with the, the service and troubleshooting, it delves deeper into the, the physical you know, wiring, device failures, you know, why this happens, and uh, electronic theory. Now, what I'm working on currently is developing at least four or five more classes so that we can kind of get a little more job-specific and, you know, go into the install world and go into uh, project management and just kind of expand what we do here so that everybody that has seen or talks about fire alarm Mm -hmm. has some sort of understanding, you know, before they get out into the field and actually do the hands-on stuff. Okay.
0: The fire alarm panel itself, Mm -hmm. uh, when they're testing it, I've, I've... been on site to see a few people do it. Sure. They hook up a computer.
1: Is there a software that... Sometimes, yes. Okay. Uh, it, it's, not, it's not universal. Okay. So uh,
0: do they not always need a computer? Or? They'll always
1: do the computer just because okay. of our paperwork. Okay. But quite a few of them, they can hook the computer up. And the, and the panel itself, like let's say, for example, sensitivity testing. Mm-hmm. Uh, certain panels will tell you each individual device and its current sensitivity level. So they're not actually physically out there testing each one with that uh, measured amount of smoke, but they're pulling that from the panel itself, mm-hmm. and that gives them an idea of you know, if anything is out of range, either too sensitive or not sensitive enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, of course, after that, they would still need to blow that smoke in the chamber because that's part of 72 clearly states that you have to have smoke enter the, the sensing chamber. Mm-hmm. So just by pulling that from the panel guys still need to go out there and and physically make sure those devices work so it it saves a little time because the sensitivity testing can take a minute and a half to two minutes per device Mm -hmm. whereas a function test may only take like 15 to 20 seconds so if we can pull it from the panel and then go out and spend that 15 and 20 seconds on each device it kind of speeds us up okay does some
0: of the newer fire alarm panels uh are they? I forget what the term is, but is the device able to say that it's faulty or it's yeah. not?
1: Yeah, yeah. Most of your new ones, there's, there's different. Uh, when I speak of addressable, there's, uh-huh. there's a, analog systems or more or less what we're talking about, where they will go out and instead of just pinging that device to make sure it's physically there it goes out there it pings that it's there it finds out its ambient temperature finds out sensitivity readings because that's what's going to tell it if the device is dirty or not if it's out of sensitivity then you'll get a, a message on your panel say like device maintenance or device too dirty or you know whatever the nomenclature is from that manufacturer.
0: Okay and the regular building owner or facility manager would See these faults? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they would they then, would come up as a trouble. And yeah, then call Corson exactly. Come out and fix it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the fire alarm. I think this is the last question, and I've seen them do it. The fire alarm panel uh, usually has or do they all have batteries? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So if the power goes out, the fire alarm.
1: Yeah, exactly. System still works. Again, seventy-two. Uh, the the Bible in my world yep. it tells me that they have to be able to to uh, hold a standby panel so it has to be active in in a standby state so no horns no bells Mm -hmm. for 24 hours and then after that it needs to be able to sound all of its notification for five minutes after and then as you get into like the voice systems where we spoke about the speakers and strobes those need to go for that same 24 hours but then be able to sound for another 15 on top of that so it depends on the type of panel and you know that depends on the size of batteries that you'll put in there
0: Okay, and do the batteries need to be tested?
1: Yeah, they get uh, tested annually as well. Okay. Uh so when we do our inspection, we'll we'll also test those batteries. Okay.
0: You talked about at the very beginning the annual testing is the function testing? Function testing mm-hmm. and what was the other one? Sensitivity. Sensitivity how long or how often does that need to be done?
1: Every other year. So Okay what they do is i mentioned the in acceptance testing mm-hmm. within that first year they have to do the very first sensitivity testing okay. so that kicks off that every other year so <clears throat> and or i'm sorry the initial then sensitivity then a function then another sensitivity and then it just keeps going and going in, in that same order
0: okay and the sensitivity testing is the decibels sound no order?
1: the sensitivity testing they've they've got different manufacturers that make different things but mm-hmm. uh, um it's a measured amount of smoke, and okay. you base that wherever your alarm point is, you base it on the, the detector itself, because every manufacturer has to stamp on their label mm-hmm. their their sensitivity rating for that device. So let's say it's, you know, one percent to four percent. So I go up there with my with my sensitivity tester, and I'm past my one percent, so let's say it alarms at two point five. Well, since I'm between that 1% and 4%, then that passes sensitivity.
0: Okay. So so you have a sensitivity reader, mm-hmm. and then you just blow the normal smoke? No. It, or is it a different type of a...
1: It's a totally different uh, piece of equipment. Okay. What it is is... More high-tech, I guess. Yeah. What? Actually, yeah. it is because I've got a control unit that I kind of hang around my neck, mm-hmm. and then I'd mention that telescoping pole use the exact same pole, but then you have to raise up this this metered um, kind of a fan plus aerosol dispenser yeah. and there's there's lights and various other things in there that monitor the amount in this bowl so that the the reader and the dispenser are both working in conjunction. So the dispenser squirts out, you know, two or three puffs, whatever it might be. And then the reader is actually telling me exactly how much um, smoke is in that bowl. So that's how I get my percentage of alarm point. Okay. So it's, it's more of a meter dose. Yeah. 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 It's also kind of a a visual type of thing. It's a little hard to describe on the podcast, but
0: um so that was that sensitivity mm-hmm. testing and there was the functional yep. testing and what was the other or the first
1: it's just functional it's, oh the acceptance testing yeah that's acceptance. that's just a function test that is basically that our guys have gone in we've installed the entire panel and then we have to make sure that everything works there before the building can even be occupied Okay, so that's
0: a one-time.
1: Yep. Well, the, unless of course they do renovations, and then we uh, have to do a reacceptance testing, which starts <clears> the clock <throat> all over again. So.
0: So if they do renovations, if they upgrade th- or add to the system, do you have to do the whole uh, 100%, system? A hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I. Th- do you have any more questions, or do you have any? I, I don't believe so. All right. Well, uh, thank you for being on the show today and uh, talking about fire alarms. Well, thank uh, you for having
1: me. It's been very informative.
0: Uh, If you have questions about fire alarms, fire alarm systems, inspections, testings, installations, repairs, you can contact your local Corson branch or uh, go online at uh, corson.com. Thanks for joining me on the show. Thank you, Aaron. And that'll be it, everybody. Bye. If you like today's episode, we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast and rate us on iTunes. You can also find our podcast on Spotify, Pocket Cast, Google Podcast, and other popular podcast players. Search for Corson Fire and Security Chat to find it. Thanks once again for listening, and I will see you next week for our next episode of the Corson Fire and Security Chat podcast. Have a great day, everybody. Bye. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only. It is believed to be reliable, but Corson Fire and Security assumes no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content of this podcast. It does not constitute professional advice. The listener of this podcast is responsible for verifying the information's accuracy from all available sources, including the product manufacturer. The authority of having jurisdiction should be contacted for code interpretations.